0: Hello everyone and welcome back to your MPSA podcast and welcome to today's team. Tanya Stone, President, MPSA and Vice President, Strategic Technology, Great America. Laurie McLevish, MPS and Seat-Based Billing Specialist. Our special guest, Andy Slavetsky, Founder and Editor-in-Chief, Industry Analyst. Aldo Spinseri, Senior Vice President, Access Professional Services, Clover Services Group. Bill McVicker, Technical Support Manager, American Printware Incorporated at Masterlearn, Um, CEO, Perform IT United States. And last but not least, Edwin Jongsma, Managed Print Services Expert, Europe, joining us directly from Amsterdam today. Thank you very much for being on the call that late in your day. Let's just uh, reflect on who the Managed Print Services Association is. We are an international independent industry body. That provides education, research, and best practices to help organizations actively manage and optimize their document output devices and related business processes. And to make sure you're up to date with what is going on in the industry, to share insights and expertise with you in a timely manner, the Education Committee has decided to bring hot topics to you via podcast. Easy to consume wherever you are and picking up on hot topics in real time, more or less. And like all of us, you have probably been wondering what's going on all the, with all those mergers and acquisitions these days. Will I be next? Can I be next? What's the impact of this taking over one business after the other in our, to our industry? This is why today we have a roundtable discussion with MPSA members, all specialists in their fields, and our special guest Andy from Industry Analyst to take a closer look at this gigantic wave of changes to the dealership landscape. Andy, first of all, thanks for taking the, making the time to, to participate in our podcast today. Um, according to your judgment and, and, you know, when we read your newsletter, um, it seems like we're flooded with uh, mergers and acquisitions every day. Can you share some thoughts with us, in particular, how you see the dealership landscape being affected by this?
1: Sure, hi Petra, hi everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, the, uh, the The acquisitions are, are um, you know, that's the I would say probably the biggest trend in the industry, and it has been for quite some time. There's about 15 to 20 dealers out there that are just uh, you know swallowing everybody up. About maybe 13 of them are, are what we would consider mega dealers. And, and, you know, you're either buying or you're dying is what they're saying. And pretty much everybody out there is either, you know, staying put, kind of trying to to, to, to contain their, you know, their territory and, and just do what they do day in, day out. And then you've got this other level of dealers out there that's trying to, you know, really just buy everyone around them that kind of fit in with what they're doing. And, and, and you know, not necessarily every dealer, but the dealers that fit in with, with their culture and with maybe their brand that they carry and it's just uh, you know it's just a really easy way to grow uh, down the road the, the bigger you are the more capital you're gonna you know more revenue you're gonna have more money you're gonna have to work with and that's gonna help you invest in other areas you're gonna have this big customer base um, you know it's, it's an interesting time
0: is it actually gonna be sustainable I mean at one point we're gonna be running out of dealers
1: well it can't be sustainable forever if you think about it i mean you know, at some point nobody's left like to your point yeah. but for the next couple of years i mean there's still uh, you know there's still roughly almost 2000 dealers i would say at this point um, you've got you've got new ones starting up a little bit here and there but for the most part we're you know we're at a point where we're losing dealers every year and and most of that is you know coming through acquisitions uh, and and it's not only just dealers that we ha- we never heard of you know a small dealer and in some remote location getting swallowed up by a slightly larger dealer near them. We're talking, you know, big dealers now are buying, you know, are, are being bought by bigger dealers. And, and, and some of these dealers, um, some of the ones you're going to hear coming this year, some of the ones we heard last year, they're, they're massive, you know. Um, you know, Ray Morgan and, 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 and their merger last year is, is just one of many, many, uh, you know, good examples of, you know, nobody's too big to get, to get caught up in
0: this. Um the Team on the call on the podcast. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Can you can you do you have any experience with, with being bought or being sold or 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 are you, are the ways you're doing business with dealerships affected uh, by these mergers? Um, just, oh.
2: Petra, this is Laurie McLevish. Thank you for having me, and I, I can just um mention that I've been through. For mergers and acquisitions, and uh, way back, way back, and some of you on the phone call probably remember when Elko Standard was um, owned, you know, independent dealers, and then we all, many of us, merged, and we became—I know one name, which was the Icon name. And uh, I was there for that. Yep, yeah, I went through that merger in uh, the state of Georgia, and then I went through the merger again in Minnesota. Um, and then when um, Rico bought ICON, I went through that merger. And gratefully, I was on the, um, the good side of the acquisition and merger. I, I kept my position. Um, but in all cases, um, mergers and acquisitions, you know, it gave us some strength in different areas. But it also, um, you know, when you go when you're on the inside looking out, what happens at each location is where is the strength of that particular business so if it was an icon focused office and a smaller rico office the culture kind of took over the icon and when it was a rico office then it kind of took on the rico so um but there were definitely great strengths that we got from a software standpoint um power of focus you know on on from an internal standpoint power of focus on territories and products so Uh, Merges and acquisitions are can be a great thing, but they can also um, be a a tough thing as well.
3: Yeah, hi everyone. This is Aldo Spencer. Just to uh, kind of um, latch on to what Laurie was saying, it's um, it's it's really good for the companies involved. Um, Maybe not so much for some of the employees involved. Um, You know, we've seen some recent uh, acquisitions where the acquirer is really bringing on um, some additional revenue. Um, really fueling their growth, but th- what they also need to do is cut the redundancy uh, and and you know strategize that way. So that's the unfortunate part uh, of the M and A right now is um, there are some really good people uh, in the market that are available to work, but with fewer dealers looking for qualified people, that that's get harder too. And uh, something that Andy said earlier, you know, there aren't a lot of new. Dealerships um, coming on board. I think the younger generation doesn't see it as something sexy to do. Um, so um, you know, a, a lot of that um, uh, that acquisition is not only fueled by the mega dealer trying to buy, but it's also the ownership of the dealers that want to sell, and and that's part of their retirement.
4: Um, Petra, this
3: is Ed Moss Tiller.
4: I, th- I think the other thing you asked about um, the vendors working with dealers has that changed and i think the mergers and acquisitions actually impacts that as well um on the plus side you can go uh, work with a mega dealer and your sales effort into that mega dealer could be you know less than going to 10 different dealers so you kind of have some economy of scale by selling into one really large enterprise um, and you can end up with multiple licenses or more more activity on the downside the dealers that are looking to be acquired are not looking necessarily to spend money because they're trying to position their uh, bottom line uh, so they look attractive to be to be acquired so you know there's the plus is sung into these mega dealers but the negative is that you're your dealers looking to get purchased may, may not be looking to have any expenses, uh, may not be looking to, uh, to automate as much as we would like them to be. So uh, again, it has positives and negatives.
5: Hi Petra, Edwin uh, speaking here from uh, Europe. Um, in Europe we see uh, the same trend, so a lot of mergers and acquisitions uh, are going around. And yeah, uh, I think due to a few reasons, um, money is very cheap uh, nowadays because interest rates are very low. Uh, so you also see a lot of private equity firms, um, uh, buying shares or companies in our industry. Um, the other thing is that a lot of owners of reselling companies are uh, above 50. So yeah, are thinking, okay, do I, uh, transform my company again uh to a more managed services company or yeah uh, am i going you know to join my time uh, on the golf course and sell my company now and yeah uh, the the negative side is if if you look at the industry the strange thing is that uh everything in print is declining so uh uh i don't know what your opinion is uh to everyone in the call uh, that's the strange thing that it's very popular to buy companies in a declining market. Um, so uh, that, that's in my opinion, the strange thing. Uh,
3: yeah, this is Aldo again. Yeah. Buying companies in a declining market is actually a strategy uh, for some um, so they'll, they can buy up that customer base and keep up the revenues, um, you know, with, without having the, um, I mentioned it earlier, the redundancy of, of the, you know, the financial folk or the accounting folk or, you know, really stripping out the costs, but keeping up those revenues by buying up a competitor. So that's, um, even though it's a declining market, there are ways of of building your company um, with fewer competitors, eliminating the competitors and, and making you more profitable. There is something to be said for last man standing.
5: Yeah. The, the big question is, uh, is that a short term strategy or a long term strategy? because. In my opinion, uh, you're not buying customers; you're buying employees because the employees in a in a company are the success factor of that company you're buying. And I think in a lot of mergers and acquisitions, uh, you see uh, companies are struggling um, to keep uh, the employees they bought happy, to integrate them in the new culture. And also, you see a lot of times, uh, yeah, that uh, customers are leaving because, yeah, they they're not satisfied anymore or don't feel at home with the new company. So, it's yeah, this is it a good long-term st- strategy?
3: Yeah, that is a struggle. There are some mega dealers that do a really good job of that. Of putting the customer first and then keeping their employees happy. But you're right, Edwin, it, it's not in all cases. And, and some do the complete opposite. Um, without mentioning names, we saw one just recently where, um, you know, within just a few weeks, they stripped the company of some really good employees. And I'm not sure what that strategy is there. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough.
2: If I can change gears just a little bit um, with all the the mega dealers gobbling up dealers and uh, Andy, maybe you can comment on this, but if there are, you know, 15 to 20 dealers, really 13 mega dealers that are really out there actively pursuing and there's still maybe 2000 dealers out there. um, I happen to know a couple dealers that have that are smaller, um, but they have a lot of pride and ownership and they don't want to sell out and so they are forced to be creative with their business practices and they're uh taking on you know different products themselves maybe they're being uh are vent you know they're they're changing their vendor portfolio and they're uh broadening their scope but they're doing things they're forced to do things a little differently so i think part of the merger and acquisition um, process also helps these dealers that have pride in ownership to bring to the table some creative ways of surviving in this, you know, this merger and acquisition where they don't want to be gobbled up. And so we see some great things maybe come out of that. And Andy, maybe you, maybe you can talk to that. Maybe you've seen that.
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of that where you know, I look around the landscape here and, and, and it's, look what happened in retail. I mean, the big get bigger and the small mom and pop shops they get squeezed out and if you're not growing and you're not you know acquiring at this point um, trying to send things off and, and just you know because this is the way we've always done it and we're the local company and we're proud you know that's all that, that sounds great and everything and it's a great story to customers but are customers really willing to pay extra money for that and in some cases maybe yes but I, I think overall they're not which is the reason these bigger ones get even bigger um, you know when you're buying at 5, 10, 50, 100 times the amount of SKUs that that you know your competitor down the street is buying, and your price advantaged at that level uh, to the point where you know you're getting pricing better than possibly branches, or or maybe even possibly close to branches. Um, that that small dealer can't compete, and he can go to brand B and he can go to brand C, but at a certain point, you know he's going to be significantly price disadvantaged to to the point where he won't be competitive and. You know, if he doesn't find some other way to, you know, whether it's workflow and solutions and all these other tools that the industry's kind of given them to, to stay competitive and, and kind of hide costs um, or spread costs around, so maybe the customer can't focus on one little aspect of a, of a deal, um, you know, I, they're going to have to get pretty creative if they're going to keep up with the Marcos and the DEXs and the POAs of the world.
4: Hey, uh, Andy, uh, just maybe your thoughts again on. Um where the OEMs are on these dealer merging and the mega dealers I mean will does it impact an OEM to have a mega dealer with you know 10 different brands is the OEM going to try to influence them into their brand and then kind of a little bit out there but do you see any OEMs interested potentially in buying up a um a mega dealer. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we just saw HP
1: do it in Europe. <laughs> Didn't we add one?
5: Yeah, correct. Um, uh, they, they bought yeah. Apogee, and uh, that was the largest yeah. um, reselling company in Europe. And uh, Kyocera, two years ago, bought Anodata, I think. That was also, uh, I think, a top three uh, reseller in, in the UK.
0: Yeah, that's correct
5: so uh, also in in europe you see that vendors uh, are buying reselling company the same uh, as uh, xerox did in the us with uh, global imaging systems they are now going to rebrand to xerox business solutions i think
0: Mm
5: -hmm. Mm and uh, from xerox i know that i think uh, just above 10 percent of their revenue is coming out of global imaging systems so that's already a huge chunk uh, of their uh, revenue. So, uh, I, Andy, do you have any idea what, what the reason behind this rebranding is? Uh,
1: we haven't really had a whole lot of insight from, from Xerox on that yet, um, but they, I think they're they're transferring accounts from Xerox branches that are left to XBS. Um, they did that a few years ago, and there's still some legacy accounts that the branches held. So I, I, I don't... I'm not exactly clear on it. They haven't gotten into it. But back to that original question, the, um, the vendors buying dealers, it, it's happening. But I think more as a defensive thing at this point with most of them, you know, you'll hear Kyocera very quietly hear about Kyocera buying one here and there. Um, they don't like to publicize it. Sharp has been publicizing it a little bit lately when they buy someone. But again, I think that's mostly defensive. People I know at Sharp give me the, give me the uh, kind of the feeling that, you know, they're they're really happier to support a Marco or a, or a POA um, you know all these all these vendors seem happy and you know like Rico got rid of all of their branches for the most part and and, and have put it all on the dealer um, but I just feel like these vendors these OEMs are really vulnerable and most of us if not all of us on the call were in, uh, you know on this podcast were, um, were in this business you know about 20 years ago when Icon and Danka went from, you know, we're selling all brands, best of breed, we'll give you whatever you want. And then what'd they do? They all went down to two brands and it killed Mita. It killed Sharp. It killed Kia, Mita. Uh, it killed, you know, all those who were on the outside. And I think, you know, at some point, who's to say a Marco or a POA or, or, or Loffler, or some of these other guys won't say, you know, we're just going to sell HP or we're just going to sell Xerox, or we're just going to, you know, sell two brands. Um, and, and when we get to the point where these, you know, top 10 dealers are running 80, 90% of the volume of gear that's out there, which at some point, you know, maybe we'll be headed towards. Um, I mean, we're heading towards that now, you know, think of the impact when they cut down to two brands from five or six. I mean, Pia Wig carries like every brand. Marco carries, I mean, we were, some of you guys might've been at that, uh, at their, at their um, big show they did earlier, last, or late last year. Um, there were so many brands there that, you know, uh, and and you know at some point when they consolidate, who does that affect? That you know some of these guys are going to be out of luck. And then then what? There's no other there's no other dealers to go to. There's no other myth. There's no other you know Rico doesn't have branches anymore to lean on. So so what happens? Some of these you know some of these OEMs are going to be in big trouble. I think you know Rico especially getting away from. Um, I know they had to do it, and it's making them a lot healthier now. But you know, the concern is down the road. What happens if some of these dealers? Um, you know, start getting bought up by their competitors, and it happens all the time. A Konica dealer buys a Ricoh dealer, a Ricoh dealer buys a Canon dealer, and and at some point, you know, when when the big boys all decide we're going to consolidate on a couple brands, that's going to be it for a few of these other
0: brands. Um, just a question also from me uh, to, to to the team here. Um, do you think that this can actually create uh, hopefully new dynamics for the? Uh, managed print services industry, like um, software tools or new approaches to consulting services, or um, is it just gonna then go down the way Marco is doing their uh, MPS business, or um, I don't know any of of the mega dealers, um, or do you think they 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 might there might be hope to to reinvent actually um, the managed print services uh, industry and For, for, say, software and consulting suppliers, there are new chances opening up.
5: Uh, Edwin here, I I think one of the advantages uh, of those big dealers is that they have more money to invest in a better infrastructure uh, and and to to create a higher level of managed services than, than smaller dealers. And I think it's more easy than to invest a new kind of managed services uh, around IOT devices in the office, because uh, I don't think there will be a lot of innovations coming in managed print services because uh, actually print is declining. So, uh, but the the infrastructure of how to uh, operationalize uh, managed print services, you can use the same methods Uh, to manage other devices in the office. Uh, I think the big problem at this moment is that there's not one very good management software tooling which can uh, manage the IT infrastructure and the print infrastructure uh, out of one dashboard. So I think that will come up in the coming years.
3: yeah, Edwin, I agree with you. This is Aldo. Uh, and, and the other thing that uh, I'm seeing is the evolution of, of managed print into more of a managed document. And, and there's still the notion, and, and um, I'm starting to see some some people latch on this notion where uh, print is a subset of the managed document. So as we're creating workflows around the document, um, the, um, the providers are going to be more focused on the document, with print being one of the avenues. So, you know, if you're thinking of cradle to grave, um, you know, the creation of the document, where it's archived, where it's digitally stored, and, and when it gets printed. Um, so, but my belief is uh, managed print is going to be under that umbrella in the future. So, that's kind of where I see the evolution along with with you know, the IT infrastructure and everything else.
2: And billing is gonna to change too, this is Laurie. You know, yep. we've all mentioned the cost per page is going backwards, um, or it's, you know, the, the pages themselves are reducing and the cost per page is hard to, to compete with, so we're going to see different billing platforms, whether it be seat-based billing or device-based billing, whatever that might turn into, but I think we're gonna see billing changes as
0: as we go forward as well. So, because I'm looking at my my clock here, and it's it's kind of telling me get to the end slowly. Um, can I just like go around the table and maybe from each of you get a takeaway for our audience? Should I buy? Should I um, purchase someone um, before I think about my uh, succession? Maybe I just raise the hand. I'm like guys, here is a good dealership. Why don't you buy me? what is your personal like, recommendation or, or takeaway for, for, for smaller dealerships who are in, 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 the, in, in that focus area um, of mergers and acquisitions? Do we encourage them? What are our thoughts to, to give them to, to maybe um, start an internal discussion pros and cons of, of the merger and acquisition trend these days?
5: Shall I start, Petra?
0: So I get to. Yeah, absolutely. Here. Okay. Whoever wants to take the mic first, please.
5: Yeah, well, I think the giveaway to the audience uh, who are thinking of or buying or selling is, I think, depending on the the energy uh, of the shareholders. So if the shareholders are, are still uh, uh, have the energy uh, yeah, to work for the next five till ten years. And and build their company up to a higher level. I would say, okay, buy other companies and 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 get a bigger market share. Uh, and for those who are uh, 50 plus uh, in age and are struggling, okay, what is the next phase? And do I have the energy to transform my company again? I'm not sure. I think it's an excellent time to sell your company. So I think it's it, it's all all about yeah, what your personal intention is or the personal intention of the shareholders Mm
4: -hmm. yeah this is ed i i would agree with edwin it's a it's a personal decision um if if your market's stagnant if you're not um ready to invest in in other things like what aldo was talking about you know document solutions and and um managed services then you know maybe it would be a good idea to take a take a hard look at, um, at selling. And, you know, from a acquisition standpoint, um, if you look at a lot of the mega dealers, they seem to be filling holes. They seem to be acquiring maybe to have a, a geographic presence or maybe to have, a um, you know, cover certain uh, brands and, and certain geographies. So I think they just have to take a good hard look at that to see if they've they've filled out their their dance card, if they got everything they want, if they still need to, to fill it up, then um, they're going to continue buying.
2: I happen to know of a dealer that is a single line dealer, and I think that the caution would be to Andy's point that you know unless you've got I don't even know what it would be Um, because you're not going to be able to compete on price generally, but you're going to have to have like angels and fairy dust or something to mesmerize your customer base to keep, you know, buying from you if the competitors are out there, you know, undercutting because when it really gets right down to it, you know, every piece of hardware runs great for the first three years. So it really doesn't matter who the manufacturer is. It's really the servicing entity and price and Mm -hmm. um, those not in that order. So. I think that if you're a smaller dealer and especially if you're a single line dealer, um, look, you know, you either have to have a really big paddle and and paddle quickly upstream or, you know, and build your revenue pipeline now so that when you get bought, (laughs) you can ask for more money, I guess is what my thoughts would be.
3: And this is Aldo. Part of that uh, fairy dust, as Lori so eloquently put it, is, uh, is being innovative. Um, as a smaller dealer, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult to go up against the mega dealer uh, and beat him up on price. So, you know, the, the, um, our recommendation to the dealers that we work with is is be different. Uh, have a, a, a unique selling proposition. be Use that differentiating factor. Because if you're just going to go toe to toe with these guys, you're going to lose.
2: Yeah, so and that's where Andy. that
3: building comes yeah. into place. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of this has already been said, but it, um,
1: I agree with it. It's, you know, you, you look at your, your next five, ten years and what you're going to do afterwards. And if your plan is you've got a kid involved, you've got family involved, and you want this to be a legacy, mm-hmm. and, you know, then you've got to take, some look, you know, you to take a look at your financial situation, and you've got to figure out ways to grow yourself and grow fast enough that you can keep up with some of these other bigger dealers that are around you. And if you're not willing to make that investment, you know you have to take a hard look at your. It's a, it's a business, right? I mean, look at what happened to Kodak for not taking a hard look at their business. They're gone, right? And and we've seen other companies go away. And we don't need to go down the list. But the bottom line is, you need to you need to look at where this is going and what's going to happen in this market. And if you're not going to grow, you're not going to invest in in acquis, acquisitions in Bringing in other technology, whether it's growing your managed services or growing, going into ECM or any of these other peripheral industries, uh, displays. If you're certain types of dealers, is um, another one that, that the OEMs are trying to help you with scanning and you know all that, all that. Um, but if you're not going to go down that path, you do need to sell. I mean, otherwise you're going to get to the point where maybe your business is starting to, to decline and you're not going to. It's not going to be worth as much. Uh, right now, I feel like you know because of the the competitiveness between these, these OEMs. I mean, I have dealers that are working with me because they're trying to get their name in front of other dealers so that they can buy them. You know, when, when they're advertising with me, just like a Rico mm. advertises with me, just like a, a Xerox advertises, with me, it's, it's changed the game. And these mega dealers are trying to get in front of everyone they can. Marco wants to be coast to coast, you know, and, and, and similar to what, what, Edwin mentioned is going on in Europe with the um, with the outside investment. We have a ton of outside capital coming in to some of these mega dealers, and Visual Edge is one of them. Uh, you know, a lot of them have have outside backers that are you know telling them go out and buy whoever you want. And there's just stupid money being thrown around. I mean, if you're thinking at all of selling right now, there's there's probably two or three companies right now that would look at you know sitting down to talk with you. And you know, I can't think of, of probably a better time in this industry where you know, you're going to get top dollar for your dealership as long as your books are in order and you know, there's lots of things you need to do to make sure that your company is operating properly. But as long as everything is legit, you're going to get paid you know, for, that, for that myth right now. And I don't know that that myth will be there in five or ten years you know, for you to sell it if you don't. So you, know, you either grow and you become one of the big dealers at the end or you, know, you, you get in with one of them and, and you, you, know, you wash your hands of it and count your money and right off into the sunset.
0: So actually, as a summary, it's not such a bad thing, all this merger and acquisition business, I would say. And um, because we're really running out of time for today, and sorry to everybody who is with us on the podcast who would like to say something, save your thoughts for next time, because we're going to be recording another podcast uh, in in just a, a week or two, and then we're going to take a closer look at vendors. Um, what happens when they get bought, buy up each other, being sold? What's the impact of this, uh, both for the industry, for for the for the teams there? So please stay tuned and 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 get some inspiration from that too. Obviously, if you have any any questions regarding that, um, send them to the MPSA and we route them through to the person you would like to talk to. No problem at all. And um, yeah, well, with this, I would like to. Thank the team who is, is with me on that podcast, who is in the studio, who took the time off their normal working day to to be there for you and, and discuss this this really hot topic. Um, that would be Tanya Laurie, Edwin, Ed, Bill Aldo, and our special guest Andy. Thank you for taking the time to, to be with us and to our audience. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us. Send us your feedback, um, go to the website, get more information from there and stay tuned. Oh, I forgot to invite you if you're not a member yet, um, or if you know somebody who who likes to become a member, send everybody our way. It's really a useful group we have here. And as you see, we we really try to, to stay at the pulse of time. Thank you for today and talk to you very soon. Hear you soon, listen to you soon. Thank you, goodbye.